Hey, you ready? Hey, grab that right there. <laughs> Are you ready? Hey. Is you ready? Ready? You say you ready? Oh. Whole squad ready? Ready? Is you ready? Huh? Are you ready? Ready? Is you ready? Whole squad ready? Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of On Air with Dro. We have a fantastic episode. Because guess what, y'all? The 2020 NFL Draft is over. And guess what, Miami Dolphin fans? Tua is now a Miami Dolphin. We can release all the anger we've had over the years of since Dan Marino, you know, last played for us. And guess what? The, the offensive line has been fixed, everybody. There's no more yelling, no more getting frustrated as we have drafted three offensive linemen in this draft, and we are ready to do pounding. It's going to be great. 2021, you know, it's going to be fantastic. So great draft overall. And once again, my pleasure to host my friend Mark Miller as he is once again coming in onto the podcast. Say what's up, Mark Miller. Yo, yo, yo. I'm on air with Dro. The draft has come to a close, so here we go. All right, all right. Like he said, it's come to a close. The 2020 NFL draft is over. And what a what a fun sight it was. I mean, it was super cool having the virtual, you know, draft. I thought it was – I thought, honestly, I think it's better than, you know, people being at the at the venue. But uh, I, I kind of called it with Roger Goodell. Like, he was going to be so, like, cliche with the booing and in, in the beginning. And I was just like – Come on, Roger. Like, really? Like, what's up with that? Like, uh, he's like, oh, come on. I can't hear you. Come on. Come on. I'm like, come on, my guy. Like, ugh, it was just so cliche. But other than that, the main the main topic, obviously, Miller is, uh, you know, Tua is a Miami Dolphin now. And I am so excited, bro. Like, you don't even understand, man. Uh, I think what the Dolphins have gone through, like, 21 quarterbacks since Dan Marino. Like, it's just fantastic. Like, honestly, like. You know, Greg and I, we were just, like, watching the TV, and we were just, like, dude, like, obviously, like, the Detroit Lions, we were, like, oh, man, maybe we're going to trade up, right? Maybe we're going to get Herbert. Like, there's no way, bro. There's no freaking way. There's no way we get Herbert. Like, no way. Uh, Then Detroit ends up, you know, getting the cornerback from Ohio State. Then the Giants ended up getting uh, Andrew Thomas. And when the Dolphins hit the clock, bro, I lost it. My anxiety hit, like, 150. Like, it was insane. Like, there's no way. We were like, there's no way we pass up on Tua. No way. Like, there, it's, like, no way. Like, it's not your same old Dolphins. Like, you know, Chris Greer and Brian Flores, you know, obviously, you know, mad respect to them because they did a lot of things, you know, heading into this draft where it was just a lot of rumor, a lot of, you know, outside news going out. And, and the funny thing is they're not really true. So it was awesome. Because uh, Brian Flores and Chris Greer came out and just admitted to everything that it was just they were just laughing about it, which was so funny. Um, but when Tua's name got called, man, I literally broke down. I just screamed up from the top of my lungs, you know, gave Greg a high five. We were just like, hell yeah, bro. It felt like we won the Super Bowl, man. It literally felt like the Dolphins won the Super Bowl. And it was just insane. And when I texted you and everything, it was just like, this is actually happening. And the, fu- the funny thing is, the first thing that came out in my mind, Dolphins are relevant in Madden. <laughs> so so I, I kind of want to let you talk about it. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Tua, obviously, being a Miami Dolphin? 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I, I I think I mentioned this on the the pre-draft uh, podcast. I mean, you know, m- my vote was for Herbert um, just because of the questions around the medical. Um, but my gut did tell me it was going to be Tua. I thought it was going to be Tua the the whole time. Um, I think for Dolphins fans, I think I think the overwhelming majority of fans um, wanted Tua. Um, so for you guys, I'm happy. I, I think you're going to get a franchise guy. I think he's he's in a perfect situation there in in Miami. Um, you know, really, Alex. Like, I mean, I could probably go on and on about this pick. Um, what I will say is, I think outside of Ryan Tannehill, um, this has been, I think, since since the time that Dan Marino uh, retired to the time that Tua was uh, drafted. Um, so basically, a span of of essentially twenty years. I think only Ryan Tannehill was uh the quarterback that you guys have drafted in the first round in the last 20 years, I could be mistaken. You might want to fact check me on that one, but I'm, I'm pretty sure um, that I'm spot on with that. So when we talk about this, that specific point, you're talking about a franchise for the past 20 years that again, like you're talking about Madden relevancy. I'm well, let's talk about real life relevancy. You guys have not been relevant for 20 years and it's because you guys have been putting a Band-Aid on the quarterback position since Marino left. And granted, you know, you put one really big Band-Aid on it, you know, that you pushed all your chips in and went all in on with Ryan Tannehill. And you had to kind of ride that out for a long time. But let's be honest, um, while he showed flashes, you guys probably held on to him a little too long. And then, you know, what ends up happening, you know, he, of course, gets, you know, flipped for a draft pick, goes to Tennessee, and, you know, he, he's looked at as, like, some sort of, you know, franchise guy for them. Um, we'll, we'll see if that's just another example of Ryan Tannehill kind of showing us a flash of the pan and, you know, if that's, uh, you know, going to be sustained long term, right? But we're talking about a guy in Tua who – has been a prototypical quarterback his his whole life. Um, unlike Ryan Tannehill, who I believe uh, dabbled in wide receiver at uh, Texas A and M before his right. conversion to quarterback. I think he only played one year of quarterback prior to being drafted uh, in the first round, top ten by Miami. So again, like kind of a weird situation back in the day where the Dolphins did put their their chips all in on Ryan Tannehill. A pretty big gamble. This different kind of gamble okay Tua is an injury gamble because you don't know what you're getting with the hip but again it's a perfect situation because I mentioned this during the pre pre-draft podcast he doesn't have to be rushed in right away you've got Fitzmagic and you have Rosen as well as that extra buffer this guy can literally redshirt the whole season yeah and just you have the hip so so for me Alex what I'm curious about is how do you feel about that like I know you're itching to see this kid get on the field and start you know um, you know tossing some of those Dilfer dimes um, and and start running up the those score sheets, but I mean I gotta ask you man you know do you want to see this kid sit out his first year just to make sure that hip is okay or are you just you know just ready to see this kid hit the field and you know you know whatever happens happens well. Kind of like to going back to what you said about the Ryan Tannehill, like he was the the last first round pick quarterback that we you know drafted since Marino, which is insane. Uh, we've been taking like running backs, cornerbacks, and, and et cetera, and offensive linemen. Um, honestly, per- personally, me for me, you know, I think you know 
you know, you have Fitzpatrick and Josh Rosen. Um, obviously, I would love him to start right away, but with the condition, the situation that we're in, especially with the coronavirus, you know, um, you know, the, the plan is for 2021, you know, by far, you know, uh, I think Fitzpatrick is going to be good enough, you know, for this season, no matter, you know, how south it goes or how far north it goes. Um, obviously, you know, Fitzpatrick knows at the end of the day, this is going to be Tua's team. Um, and he wants to, you know, show, you know, Tua, you know, the ropes, right? You know, this guy, I mean, what better quarterback than to have than Fitzpatrick? I mean, he's literally been through it all, right? Like he's been like, what? Yeah eight different teams in 10 years, yeah. you know, uh, graduated from Harvard. Like, you know, it's just insane. Like, you know, what Fitzpatrick has done. I mean, he's, you know, obviously a very underrated quarterback, but, you know, his stats doesn't lie, right? Where, you know, he has, you know, as many touchdowns as interceptions, you know, uh, just, a, just a workhorse. I mean, honestly, like what a great pro, you know, Fitzpatrick has been. And honestly, he doesn't even look 39 years old. I think he's like 39 now. So um, honestly, like, doesn't even look that old. The beard, I think that's the reason why he probably is growing his beard because uh, it makes him look younger. I mean, and it's awesome, right? So I think, obviously, you know, redshirting uh, two is the right way to go, you know, obviously, and then you get these, you know, offensive linemen that we just drafted that we'll talk about it in a second, um, you know, another year under their belt, you know, and then once two comes in, you know, we'll be, you know, solidifying that, obviously. So uh, I think in general, I'm just super excited, you know, to have Tua on this team. You know, a lot of people are going to be, you know, buying the jerseys. It's going to be great. You know, it's going to be a great atmosphere on uh, opening day, you know, of 2021, even 2020. I think, you know, the Dolphin fans are going to be coming out. There's going to be a lot of respect out here, especially, you know, after, you know, the the after the job that Brian Flores and Chris Greer did. I mean, they found unbelievable talent in this draft. And it's just, you know, Dolphin fans are going to be coming back. And what better way to do it than start of 2020 and, you know, whole new Fresh new decade, you know, Tom Brady's out, New England's out, you know, they didn't do much in, in a draft that I know of, but, you know, you can never sleep on them with Bill Belichick. So uh, to answer your question, personally, I'm super excited, but they're going to they're going to be holding on to Tua, obviously, for 2021. I don't I don't I don't think even like I said, even if it's Fitzpatrick does, you know, terrible or and, and Rosen goes in like they're going to make it work where, you know, those two quarterbacks, you know, are you know, the only quarterbacks that play in 2020, unless, like, both of them, you know, get hurt somehow, which, you know, I'm knocking on wood right now, you know, just making sure. But, uh, you know, I don't think so. Uh, and, you, and I wouldn't want it to. But do you see a scenario where, let's say Fitzpatrick gets injured and Rosen comes in and maybe he gets injured or, um, you know, he just plays so bad that they have to put in Tua? I mean, Let's be real here. They tried to go to Rosen last year, and he played so freaking bad that they had to turn back to, to Fitzpatrick. And really, it wasn't Fitzpatrick's fault at all that they did so poorly last year during those first four games. Those first four games were against really tough opponents. I mean, Baltimore and New England and you know whoever else it was. I, I just remember the, the, the first four games for Miami last year was just a brutal stretch. Yeah. And you know, Fitzpatrick didn't really get a fair shake. And, and you know, I think Flores was still really um, evaluating the whole team. And I understand why he did it. He was trying to get a spark. Um, uh, so, so I understand the move. But what I really respect is that he just kind of swallowed his pride and said, hey, you know what, Josh Rosen, um, not not the spark that, that this team needs. Yeah. Um, let me put my my veteran back in here and and see what we can do um, for the rest of the stretch. 
And then Miami really started clicking. They started winning ball games, making things competitive, um, beating the Patriots, you know, at, you know, for the season finale. I mean, that might as well have been, you know, uh, their Super Bowl as well as the fans uh, mm-hmm. Super Bowl mm-hmm. for, for the Dolphin fans. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, do you think that there's a scenario? You think that there's a scenario that, that these guys either get injured or play so poorly that the coaches turn to Tua and they say, hey, look, you know, all of his medical is checking out. This guy is healthy. He's telling us he's ready. You know, he's been studying the playbook. He's a smart kid. You think that there's a chance there and maybe the final four games of the year that's somewhere in there. I'm not saying all four yeah. of the final games, but any, something in there, something in there. Maybe maybe the last one or two games of the year he gets thrown in there. Anything for 2020. What are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I mean, is there a chance? Maybe, maybe like a five or 10% chance, you know, obviously you can't predict the future of what's going to be holding on, you know, for this team, obviously like 2020 is, you know, obviously he's day one starter. Um, but again, you know, it's it's almost like, you know, the Dolphins have like a like in baseball terms, like a team has a ten nothing lead and and two is your closer, right? Um, you're not gonna want to bring your closer in to close the game out when you have a ten nothing, you know, lead. So, um, I think I think in general, you know, I think you know the uh, the Dolphins have a plan, and the plan is for 2021, and whatever 2020 brings them, they're just gonna add it for 2021. Uh, it's going to be the ammo. I mean, if it gets in one or two games, cool. You know, that'll be cool. You know, but we, we just wouldn't want to, you know, rush anything, of course. You know, obviously, like you said, you know, the final four games. But I, I don't see it. But, like, again, you know, we can never predict the future, right? So, um, can, can I can, can I ask you one really interesting question? Yeah. Um, I, I heard something interesting about Dolphins owner Stephen Ross. Um, I heard that, uh, when it came to Tua's medical, um, one thing that was weighing really, really heavily on his mind was that he was the one who, um, basically was the one who signed off on not getting Drew Brees back in the day in free agency mm-hmm. because he was scared off by the injury concern. And then obviously Drew Brees went on to have the hall of fame career that he's had win a right. Super Bowl, and he's still playing at a high level, even at his age. Um, I heard uh, through the grapevine, right, through the rumor mill, that uh, Stephen Ross uh, had that kind of weighing over his head a little bit about to his medical, and he just, you know, kind of, you know, swallowed his pride, I guess, a little bit, and basically said, "Hey, I'm not going to get struck by lightning twice on this. Right. I passed up a, a, a franchise Hall of Fame quarterback because of an injury concern. I'm not going to do it again." Um, what are your thoughts on, on that information? Do you think that that's true? Do you think there's any truth to it? Um, just curious what you think. Um, I, I, I haven't heard it, but that's actually like a, a really good, you know, statement because yeah, you're right. You know, Stephen Ross was an early owner at that time, uh, you know, just giving it off from Wayne Heisinger. Uh, so yeah, you know, getting Culpepper instead of Breeze, obviously that's going to haunt the Dolphins forever. Uh, but now that we have two, you know, that obviously now there's going to be a different reputation. Um, you know, it's, you know, I always tell, my, you know, myself when, when people make fun of us, you know, about the Culpepper situation, you know, if Culpepper ended up doing good, you know, would people, you know, 
judge it. You know, if, if Culpepper brought us like two or three, you know, playoff appearances and obviously, you know, you know, Drew Brees won the Super Bowl, you know, I don't think it would be the same amount. But the thing is, because Culpepper didn't perform too well for the Dolphins, it just made it even worse. Um, I do believe the statement. I think, you know, it's good that he's finally changed because, you know, there's been terrible decisions that he's kind of, you know, approved upon, you know, over the years. And I think finally, you know, he's doing it the right way with Chris, excuse me, with Chris Greer and Brian Flores. Um, they have a new scheme, a new system, whole completely different than Tannenbaum, Jeff Ireland, Joe Philbin, all these coaches, Adam Gaze, you know, everything just restart new. And I think, you know, there has been so many hate on Steve Ross, including myself. Uh, I never really liked him as an owner um, because it just felt like he was just throwing money um, just so he could put like a bandaid, like you mentioned earlier in the podcast. Um, but, you know, like, again, we got to a, that's the main concern. And from there on, you know, obviously Steven Ross's reputation is going to go a little bit better only because, you know, they, they ended up drafting, you know, the right person. Right. So, um, but that's a little fun facts uh, there. Thank you for bringing that up Miller uh, for, it. Uh, but let's get back into the draft discussions as, uh, you know, the Dolphins ended up having um, a lot, three first round picks uh, this on Thursday. Obviously, two of being the first one. Uh, next being uh, Austin Jackson. And then the third one, you're going to get me here. Uh, I think it's Noah uh, Genovine. I think it is. Uh, am I, am I, I think wrong? What is it? Igbenogany. Ig Igbenogany. There you go. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, you know, those three picks, unbelievable. Obviously, two of being the main person and and uh, being a transformational quarterback for this franchise. But Austin Jackson, I mean, believe it or not, this dude is 6'6", 310 pounds. He's a tackle, plays left and right, coming from USC. I mean, this dude, you you know, we were seeing the highlights and everything of this man. I mean, he looks like a straight bully. I mean, it's it's good that we're getting, you know, our offensive line help. And then uh, Noah, I mean, he was a very underrated cornerback uh, uh, in the draft. I know Brian Flores and Chris Gear were – um, watching him on his pro day at Auburn. Uh, they were watching a lot of this dude, and they really, really, really love this guy. That's why he ended up getting the number 30th pick on that because he's very um, he's very fast, feisty, and he used to play a wide receiver but transitioned to a, a quarterback now. And literally, I mean, it's he's a go-getter. I mean, he looks really, really, really like a shutdown nickel cornerback. And I think that's going to help out the Dolphins because obviously you have Byron Jones and Xavier Howard already, but now you have a, at a third lockdown corner and that makes it even better. I mean, you have Needham as well, you know, being our fourth, you know, obviously he's being undrafted and produced very well for us last season. But I mean, the more corners that you have in this league, the better, obviously for depth, you know, for injuries and, you know, there's so many receivers and tight ends. So the more corners that you can get, the better, you know, and then Austin Jackson is, is, is a, you know, critical pickup, obviously, the, the fix of the offensive line. And, and I'm very excited. Obviously, like I said before, this is for 2021, you know, for the offensive line for Tua. But these guys, these first-rounders, are going to make an impact right away. They're starters. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. I think this is going to be, you know, great pickups. Like I said, you know, they're going to be starting. And, you know, what better way than to build the future from the from the trenches, right? So, um, you know, starting off with that. Um you know, those first rounds, I know you like the picks. Um, I'm kind of going to go with the second round real quick, too. I think we're going to combine the first and the second round, I think, because obviously the second round is more uh, late first rounder picks that, that, you know, left, you know, for in the second round. So 
And then all obviously Robert Hunt, you know, from Louisiana, you know, being another tackle. I mean, you lock up the left and the right tackle already, you know, within two picks, which is really good. And then uh, getting Roquan Davis from Alabama, he's 6'7", 312 pounds. Look at this trend. You have Robert Hunt, who's 6'5", 322. You have Raquan Davis, who's 6'7", 312. You have Austin Jackson, who's uh, 6'6", 310. You're just getting monsters out here. You got big body monsters. You know, like Brian Flores is trying to build a great team, you know, a team that's a force uh, building through the trenches. I mean, those first, you know, five picks are, you know, first rounders, all of them. So, um, I thought that was a really good part in them and, and to getting that. And the thing is with uh, uh, Raekwon, I mean, he was he was supposed to be like a top 15 pick uh, and uh, not regressed, but, you know, fell, you know, into the second round, which is kind of one of those sleeper picks. So I think that's really good because obviously we were one of the worst run-stopping teams in the in the year, uh, year last year. So, you know, these picks are, are really good. What do you think about the, the first and the second round, Miller? I, I thought it was a slam dunk. I thought I thought Miami absolutely crushed it. I mean, when you look at Austin Jackson, you're right. This guy, he's a mauler. He's a monster. This guy, this guy is aggressive at the point of attack. He knows how to drive the defensive line backward, create running lanes, protect the quarterback through the passing game. This guy's everything that you want out of a franchise left tackle. Um, and, and you know what, you know, if the time comes when Tua gets in there, maybe they shift him over to right tackle. I, I don't know, you know, cause you know, Tua being the, the left-handed quarterback and all, um, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but, but this guy is, you know, th- this guy's a talented player and, and for him to still be on the board right there, right for the pick in for Miami to swoop in and just not only grab a position of need, but one of the absolute best players, um, you know, still available at that time, it's a win-win. And then when you look at, um, you know, Noah, I don't even want to try to attempt his last name again because I'll probably botch it. Um, but but Noah, this is what I like about Noah. Brian Flores' scheme is man-to-man lockdown coverage, right? That's what he wants to do down there in Miami. So he's going he's gonna to isolate Howard to one side of the field, lock it down. He's going to isolate Byron Jones to the other side of the field, lock it down. And what Noah is for him, is a chess piece and you can never underestimate the value of a chess piece. And what do I mean by that? I mean that this guy's going to be moving all over the field. This guy's going to come in and be your third safety in, in those packages. He's going to come in and be your nickel corner in those nickel and dime packages. He's going to be lining up on slot receivers. He's going to be lining up um, covering running backs that are coming out of the backfield. He's going to be covering these tight ends um, the, you know, the guys like your, you know, your, your George Kittles and your Travis Kelsey's and, and, you know, you know, guys that are, that are truly, um, you know, transcending players at the tight end position, guys that are getting faster and, and, and becoming more wide receiver. Like you can never underestimate the value of a chess piece. And that's what you're getting out of Noah. So, so at first I didn't like the pick. I didn't like the pick because, um, I thought safety, was was a more important position of need and I thought uh running back as well but the more that I've had time to think about this and really marinate on it and and learn more about the player and how he fits into the scheme the more I've come to really love that pick um so so slam dunk in the first round uh when we kick it to the second round right 
you know, yeah. you're talking about you're talking about the O line that they got, the the, the offensive lineman. Um, I know in college, I know he he played tackle. I've been hearing some some murmurings. I did a little bit of reading, right? It sounds like this guy, because of his size, they might kick him inside to right guard, um, or at least have him compete there, um, and and maybe eventually at some point make a transition um, to 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 tackle. Um, but I think they want to bring this guy on a little bit slower than than Austin Jackson. But if they keep him at tackle, which is what I really hope Miami does, then like you said, Alex, um, it's you know it's your bookend tackles. You know, you, you get your left, you get your right, and you're done, right? You just take the time to develop them and coach them up and just you know get them comfortable with the scheme and the playbook. Um, and then, and then with, with Raekwon Davis, like <laughs> this guy, for me, he was my third rated um, defensive tackle um, in the entire draft. I, I had him only behind uh, Brown and, uh, and Kinlaw. Right. So for me, this guy, this guy was as close of a DeForest Buckner comparison that I found out of anybody in the entire draft. I wanted San Francisco to take him. That's how much I loved this guy. Um, so for him to fall, not only just to the second round, but for him to fall to your to your late pick of the second round was huge. I mean, I couldn't I couldn't imagine a, a bigger steal in the second round than this guy. And I said it during the pre-draft podcast. I said on your defensive line, you guys have Gacho and you guys have Wilkins. Outside of that, from a defensive tackle position. Uh, if you guys are running a, a three-man front, you guys don't have anybody besides those two that I thought, you know, screamed starter-level talent. This guy fills that void. Biggest steal of the second round, I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah no, I agree. I, I think you nailed it on, on, the, on the dot when we were talking about it in the last podcast. Um, I thought that was a great find. I mean, honestly, like, you know, having him on, on the team, you know, like, like I mentioned before, we were – you know, one of the worst rushing defenses. And now that we can add him and have Godchild and um, and Wilkins, I mean, it's 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 even better. So uh, going into the third round, you know, obviously getting Brandon Jones, a safety from, from Texas, I think that was a really good find. I think he's going to be replacing our Mika Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, the, the, the cool story about him, obviously, is that he couldn't do the, you know, the combine. So he ended up setting, you know, the playbook of every team, every play, every down. That's incredible. Um, literally went over it, you know, every single time. Um, I mean, that's there's a dude who really wants to work hard, and I think you know he fits a, a perfect scheme, right? He's you know versatile, flexible. Uh, he play any position that you want Brian Flores to, and that's exactly what he wanted to do with Fitzpatrick, um, Mika being um, before he ended up you know requesting a trade. Um, unfortunately, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, Brian Flores got his guy. Uh, I do like that pick for sure. Uh, going into the fourth round, you know, we got Solomon, uh, Solomon Kinley, uh, another guard, uh, from Georgia. Uh, I thought that was a really good pickup too, because now we have three potential starters, you know, in the offensive line help. Um, obviously because our offensive line has been atrocious, you know, over the years and this past season, we were just playing people, you know, like how you were mentioning before, once again, this is a bandaid, right? You know, to make it too worse. Uh, going into the, the fifth round, we ended up drafting a defensive lineman, Jason Strowbridge. Um, he's a little bit, not of a, not of, not of a no name. I just don't know too much about him. 
I know he was used as a 3-4 defensive end position, which is going to be used, which Brian Flores is using a lot, you know, obviously coming from New England and stuff. Uh, we also got Curtis Weaver, who's kind of a sleeper pick that I think that most people are going to be uh, looking at, uh, who is an off outside linebacker from Boise State. Um, you can never have, you know, too many linebackers, right? So, you know, you have obviously Van Noy, you have uh, – you know, uh, Jonathan Baker, you have Raekwon McMillan, you know, you're going to have all these guys and competing and, and you want to add as much roster depth as you can. And I think this is a good uh, pickup from Boise State. I've heard a lot of good things um, from him. Um, he, let's see, he, uh, he was second from Chase Young with three, uh, 30 and a half uh, sacks um, in over the, uh, the college seasons and stuff that he's been. So, he was second to Chase Young, and obviously Chase Young went, you know, number two. So, um, you know, that's definitely good. Kind of kind of breeze through these because there's only two more picks. Um, we also got Blake Ferguson, who's a long snapper from LSU. Uh, that's going to be replacing John Denny, who's been with the team for like a century, it feels like. Uh, kudos to him. I mean, he had a great career with the Miami Dolphins. I think he was like a pro for 15 years. Uh, we finally get on another new long snapper. And kind of the sleeper pick, I think, out of all, um, that we drafted uh, is is uh, Malcolm Perry, who's a wide receiver from Navy. Um, he's kind of more of like an athlete. He can play a wide receiver, quarterback, running back. He's been using it in many multiple positions. I think those people are going to be just, you know, rostered up that are going to help out the, the team. Um, but overall, I know you're not going to know too much uh, Miller of these people, but just kind of a breakdown. I mean, obviously you can agree with me, but if you have any questions or anything, it's just – those people look like, I mean, other than, you know, the offensive guards and, and the safety, obviously, of uh, of Brandon Jones, you know, they're probably going to start, too, and Solomon. Um, you know, those those are, you know, good positions because we need those positions, right? We need it. We needed a, you know, outside linebacker. I mean, the long snapper you need, but defensive lineman, you know, you got to replace Charles Harrell. You, you need, you, need a, you know, an edge rusher like you were mentioning last uh, podcast. Um, but – Kind of, you know, those those picks ended up being really good. Um, I really enjoyed the whole draft in general. Um, I think, like like mentioned before, I think you know the Miami Dolphins nailed it on the dot in this draft. I think they they chose exactly the players that they wanted. Uh, Brian Flores, I never seen Brian Flores so happy before. Uh, before he drafted Rick One, um, you know, it was just like every time the Dolphins were you know, picking, I mean, his family was just super excited, his two kids, his daughter, I mean, it just shows that, like, everything went as planned, and there's no other better feeling than than having that, right, when your plan is just perfect, it felt like, and believe it or not, I mean, you, you wonder, right, like, the, I thought for sure the Dolphins were going to draft a running back, um, especially, you know, since J.K. Dobbins was in the mix uh, before Baltimore picked them up, like literally the first, uh, one pick before us. But you kind of know this running back that we just uh, acquired. Uh, obviously, he's a 49er. Can you tell us a, l- a little more of uh, Matt Breida for us? Yeah, Matt Breida. I mean, his nickname in San Francisco was, um, you know, Matt the Cheetah Breida because he was, you know, he's lightning fast. Um, and if you don't believe me and you play Madden, go look him up. I think he's rated as like either the top, like the high, the highest, um, you know, speed or acceleration, like the fastest ranked running back in Madden or he's in the top three. 
Um, so, so trust me, like if you don't know anything about this guy, he's a speedster. Um, he'll literally just burn you. Um, he can gash you inside. Um, he can, he can beat you outside. There's nothing this guy can't do. Um, really, you know, the 49ers, they put a second round tender on this guy cause he was a restricted free agent. So for me, like value wise, like as a 49er fan, to me, that's what I felt his value was. Like, I thought that he was as valuable as any second round running back that you could have gotten in this draft. Um, you know, and you guys ended up picking him up for a fifth round pick. I mean, you're talking about a steal here. Um, you know, you know, Matt, Matt Breed is going to come in. He's in a split time with, with Howard. Um, I, I think, I think, you know, having both guys there kind of a running back by committee kind of thing. And, and, and each guy kind of doing a little bit, you know, of a, of a different style, kind of a different pace a little bit, um, will, will help the running game situation quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, Matt Breida, you know, I, I hate to see him go. I, you know, he was a, you know, one of my favorite, uh, running backs, uh, on the roster for, for the Niners, but I'm glad he gets to, to, to go to Miami. I believe you said he's from Miami or, or, or just the state of Florida in general. Yeah, uh, yeah. He's from uh, Bradenton, but it's uh, upper North, but yeah, he's from Florida. Yeah. So, so he gets to go back home. So it's kind of a, a win-win for everybody, right? The Niners needed draft capital. They didn't have a roster space for him anymore. We appreciated all of his contributions leading up to our, our super super bowl appearance. Um, and now he gets an opportunity for more playing time. Um, goes into a good situation with a great coach and gets to go back home. So happy for Matt Breida. Um, but but kind of going back to the draft, right? Rounds three through seven. I mean, I touched on this about the first round that I thought it was a slam dunk. I'm, I, you know, for me, the whole draft, rounds one through seven were a slam dunk for, for Miami. Um, I don't think you guys reached for any picks. I think you guys let the draft come to you. Um, and, and that's kind of a nice luxury when you have as many picks as you guys did. And, and I think, um, what's really important to kind of look at when you look at their entire draft board, right. And, and the players that they acquired through, um, through this process, they addressed everything that they needed, everything they, the, the three things that they needed to come away with in this draft, they did it. They addressed franchise quarterback, offensive line and all phases of defense, okay? They got Tua, they added three offensive linemen, and they added something like five or six players on defense. I mean, five or six players on defense, because at this point I've lost count. You guys have so many picks. When you talk about five or six players on just one side of the ball, the 49ers had only five picks in the entire draft, let alone be able to dedicate five picks to one side of the ball. So for me... When I look at Miami, I think that they they crushed it. It was a slam dunk. They knocked it out of the ballpark. They they did, like I said, the, the three things that they needed to do in this draft, they did it. Franchise quarterback, offensive lineman, and address all phases of the defense. And when I say all phases, I'm talking D-line, linebacker, and secondary. They did it all. And then also they come away with a long snapper. And um, to your point, uh, the guy that they picked at the end there in the, in the seventh round, um, kind of a Swiss Army knife, right? Like he's gonna, he, you know, he's a positionless player, as they call it in the NFL, sometimes known as the 
offensive weapon. He's a guy that you're going to be able to put into different packages, whether it's a special teams guy or, you know, a wildcat formation or trick plays, you know, whatever the case may be, he's going to be utilized in a lot of different ways, sometimes probably as a decoy. But when he hits the field, something's going to happen. He's going to attract attention, um, you know, probably in, in the mold of like a Taysom Hill, right? Yeah. But you know, yeah. first and first, he, he's got to make the team. He, he's got to show his worth um, because obviously if, if a player like that doesn't find his way on the roster, he's going to be practice squad fodder. And, you know, he might just end up dwelling there his whole career and, and he could always flame out. And on the other hand, he might become the next Taysom Hill or Antoine Randall L, you know, who knows. Right. So um, for me, Miami, I can't say anything bad about it. And then, and then again, going back to Matt Breida, you don't address running back through the whole draft, but you trade for one and you give up a fifth round pick to get a guy that was probably, like I said, as valuable as any running back that you could have gotten in the second round. So really Miami checks all the boxes for me in this draft. A plus. Yeah, no, I agree. I give them an A plus as well. Not just only because I'm a Dolphins fan, but I think in general, they did, like you said, they did everything that we, we envisioned and, and we had hoped for. Uh, I think uh, the Matt Breida, you know, he only has one year left on his contract. So, you know, obviously he's in the, on a contract here and you know he's going to bust his ass, you know, to get a contract, right? So I think it's just all, hmm? He's going to ball out. He's going to, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's definitely going to ball out. And especially with Jordan Howard, I mean, it, it creates a good one-two punch, you know. You know, Jordan Howard is going to be, you know, running through. I mean, he's quick too, right? He's more of a you know, power back, but then you got Matt Breida, you know, who's, who's electric and, and slick and it's going to, it's going to look very nice. I think it's going to be, you know, I, I see Miami maybe like improving a couple more games of wins, uh, maybe like, you know, at least eight and eight maybe, but we'll see how the year goes. I mean, I, I don't think you know, obviously, you know, a lot of people are expecting us to continue taking in order, you know, to get better, but you know, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to call it right now. I'm going to call it. I think Miami, um, I, I think I think we're going to be looking at Miami right around week 13, week 14 as still being in the playoff hunt. I think the AFC West is up for grabs. I'm sorry, the AFC East is up for grabs, and um, yeah. and, and it's and it's weak. I, I I'm I, I know that the Patriots have Belichick and Dan. I know I know that the Patriots still have those coaches there, right? But yeah. they don't they don't have Brady. They don't have Brady, so. Um, you know, you look at Buffalo, honestly, a little overrated and they lost a lot of talent. I know that they added Stefan Diggs and that adds a different element to, to, to that team. But I also look at the jets and I, and I think, Hey, they're, you know, they're, they're bottom feeders. I don't think they're going to go anywhere with Gase. I think it's kind of a train wreck to be honest. Um, and I, and I look at all these teams, I look at these teams for, you know, in the AFC East for two reasons. I look at their, their talent on the roster and I look at their coaches and, the the you know the best coach in that division is obviously in New England, but when it comes to the most talent, I would say it might be Buffalo right now, but right there as the number two, for 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 me for in my opinion, I think the number two in coach and the number two in talent both belong to Miami at this point, and when you have that. I think these guys are, are a sleeper. I think these guys could sneakily get their way into a playoff position late in the year and maybe even get in. Okay. I think the AFC East is up for grabs. Maybe I'm, I'm a little too optimistic. Let me hear your thoughts. You, you know, <laughs> you know what? I wouldn't even mind it. I mean, if we make, 
the playoffs even better, right? Like that's just like the, you know, anything better than five wins is, is, is progress, right? So, um, I'm not going to go too far with the playoff hunt, but I, I agree, right? Like I think I don't think the AFC is as strong as you know we have it so far, other than you know Baltimore and Kansas City. I think those are you know definitely a lock. Um, you know, now that Houston has lost, you know, players like DeAndre and stuff, Hopkins and stuff. Now, I mean, you know, Kansas City and, and, and Baltimore and maybe Pittsburgh now um, gets in because, you know, Houston has lost pieces. So, um, you know, I'd probably say those three teams and maybe Tennessee, but Tennessee has lost, you know, a few offensive linemen. So, um, you know, I, I could see, the you know, the Dolphins, you know, you know, maybe, you know, Sneaking in, uh, at least being competitive, right? Like I think, I think that's what any fan wants, you know, your team to be is, is at least competitive, at least make it a game. You know, you don't want to be blown out like you know Baltimore did in Week One, but you know stuff like that happens, right? So you want to make sure that you're you're fighting hard, you know, competing at every second, every down. Um, you know, that's that's what what a fan wants, right? I mean, that's what at least what I want, right? Like, if you're gonna be losing, at least lose it in in a in a well-fashioned way by like a field goal or a, or a touchdown or whatever. So, um, I think I think what you what you see here is Miami turning the page on a new decade, and I agree the AFC East is still you know anybody's ball game. Um, obviously, since Brady's not there, you know, normally New England would be a lock already. Uh, but it's yeah, it's definitely up for grabs, and it's very weird to to say that because Miami has a chance. So um, I think I think it's going to be a very fun year, you know. Whenever this is, obviously, you know, with the coronavirus, but uh, as uh, the NBA uh, came out today saying that they're going to let you know players, you know, go to their facilities for some, uh, you know, depending on the state, you know, with the restrictions, whichever state has you know, who's ever opening back up, you know, are able to. So in sports world, you know, that's, that's the, you know, bit, bit of positive news. And then, and the NHL is working on that next. So, you know, I think hopefully by September or August, you know, when training camp starts for football, you know, hopefully we'll be, you know, able to see something, you know, with, with the sporting news, right. To see what's, what's going on. So um, I think, um, I think we, we pretty much nailed it for the draft. I think, you know, we both give the Dolphins an A+. Plus. I am very stoked and excited of the future um, because it's just weird to see that Miami's actually doing good things. So, uh, But what I kind of want to uh, let everybody know, especially Dolphin fans, is that now that we have offense alignment, now we're, we're seeing a couple of people, right? Like, I'm, I'm, like what I want to talk about is – you know, obviously, you know, two is going to be, you know, our starting quarterback in 2021. But, you know, all eyes are now because I think, you know, a little bit of, you know, about him is 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 on uh, Dieter. Right. So, um, you know, Michael Dieter is on on notice. Right. So, you know, you you draft these, you know, Solomon Kinley, I think, you know, would definitely replace him in a heartbeat. I mean, Dieter, you know, you know, was a well-spoken uh, last season, uh, just didn't perform the way the Dolphins wanted him to. Um, so definitely, you know, Dolphins didn't make no mistake in, in drafting another guard. So that that's definitely showing that, you know, he's on notice. Uh, obviously Julian Davenport, uh, was probably going to get replaced by Austin Jackson. Uh, he's just not obviously your starting left tackle. Uh, and then also Jesse Davis, right? So Jesse Davis plays our, our right tackle and, and, you know, you know, Ryan Hunt 
you know, Robert Hunt, I'm sorry, is going to be, you know, most likely replacing him. So those three offensive linemen are definitely on notice. I'm not saying that they're, you know, they're terrible. They're just not starting mm-hmm. material. And Did- those three uh, offensive linemen that we impact, uh, that we have drafted are obviously going to make an impact. And the great thing about Robert Hunt is that this man is only 20 years old. Um, <laughs> he has a lot of time to progress. And I think it's going to be even better, you know, because, you know, I mean, nowadays in football, you you don't know what a what a time frame for a football player is going to be. But I mean, at twenty years old, you know, you're looking at least about ten years, right? So, um, let me ask you really quick: Do you think that there's a chance that Jesse Davis slides in to to play right guard, and then maybe the middle of your guys' offensive line is kind of filled with veteran players because you'd have You'd have Flowers at the left guard. Yeah. You'd have Karras in the middle, and then you would have Jesse Davis kicked inside for right guard. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Jesse Jesse Davis has played right guard, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, those those three people are, are definitely unnoticed. But Jesse Davis, I think, I think, you know, he's he's not, you know, terrible. Uh, he's just, you know, a little bit below average. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, you also mentioned Eric Flowers. And Ted Carras, I totally forgot. Uh, you know, Ted Carras, you know, he, he'll be decent enough to, to play center. Obviously, we wouldn't want him to start um, as much, but he is an upgrade compared to Kilgore. Uh, and then Eric Flowers, you know, he definitely came off a good year, you know, with Washington. So, I mean, honestly, we have four, I would probably say four and a half, you know, offensive linemen out of the five, you know, I, I think Carlos is a little half only because, you know, he's not really like a starter. He's like more as a secondary, but Flowers too, right? So Flowers, um, I would probably say more four, but um, I mean, four out of five, I mean, that's crazy. Normally Miami only has two good offensive linemen. So um, definitely it's really fun to see and it, and it's a big improvement. And this year is going to be very, oh, sorry guys, dropped my mic. <laughs> um you know, this, this upcoming season is going to be very fun, you know, whenever that kicks off and stuff. So uh, it's going to be really good, you know, offensive line help. And I, honestly, I'm gonna, I'm very excited about the defense only because having Byron Jones and Xavier Howard back there, you know, and, and these other draft players that we've got, I mean, Calvin and Noy as well, you know, it almost looks like the early 2000s Dolphins defense when we had Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, Sam Madison, Patrick Sertain, I mean, you know, Bonnie Holiday, like, Bowens, like you can name them, right? Like it, it just feels like back in the day when the Dolphins actually had a good defense, the offense wasn't the best. But you know, this time around, it looks like we're gonna have both sides of the ball, uh, you know, do work, and it's so super exciting. Um, kind of the last thing that I wanted to nail was that last pick that you said, uh, for Miami getting, um, being the um. Would you call it the, the knife from Navy? Yeah, the Swiss Army knife. Swiss Army knife. Yes, him. Uh, I think what, what did I say, Matthew Perry. I said, what's his name? Um, I think that's the dude from Friends. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, on, let, me, let me look that up. Uh, it, sounds, want... it sounds right. <laughs> yeah, him. I just want to make sure because he deserves credit. I mean, being in Navy and getting drafted—that's already a good plus. Um, you know. I think what was it Malcolm uh, Perry? I think I'm looking it up right now. It's Malcolm Perry. Yes, I'm sorry, Malcolm Perry. I think you know it's so funny. He reminds me 
like of what is going to happen, uh, Brandon Slater, I think, or Matthew Slater, I'm sorry, uh, mm-hmm. from New England being that special teams like captain. I feel like he's going to play a similar role to that. I think um, only because he's like versatile and everything. And I think he would fit that scheme just like that because, uh, you know, Matthew Slater was a wide receiver coming in. So, um, not not putting him down. I'm, I mean, I'm saying that you know Matthew Slater ended up being a Pro Bowler, you know, with the special teams. But I, I can see something similar to that, right? Where he can make an impact in many ways, and you know, making the football team. Obviously, you don't have to be a starter to to make the team, right? Yeah, he's going to have to work. Next. He's going to have to work his tail off and and do a little bit of everything to to make that team. But I think he can do it. Yeah, I agree. I think. Um, you're going to be hearing a lot of good things from me, you know, this upcoming seasons in, in the future. You know, it, it, it's good that, you know, Miami is finally getting on track. And I think you're pretty happy for me too, right, Miller? We've, oh, we've been uh, agonized with a lot of losing seasons in down here in South Florida, other than the Miami Heat, you know, uh, giving us uh, two couple of, uh, you know, world championships, you know, in the past few years. Um, excuse me, got the hiccups now. Um uh, you know, I'm just super excited for Miami in general. You know, you know, whenever sports has come back, I think, you know, the the city before the Heat were good was more, you know, football based. Uh, obviously, the Miami Heat have taken over, and now it's a basketball um, state, or I should say, South Southern state, because you know you got Tampa and Jacksonville and and, and all those other. Um, but I think Miami is going to be switching back to football um, only because I feel now. The Dolphins are going to be relevant, and it's so good to 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 hear my voice saying that they're going to be relevant. So, um, I don't know what you you want to say, Miller. Um, I think we covered a lot of things in this podcast. Um, I just want to know if I just want to know if Dan Marino is going to give to a consent to wear thirteen. I think uh, I think he would, right? I think I, I think Dan Marino. Um, is totally on board with Tua as well, and you know he's embraced him in. Um, I don't think Tua is gonna get 13, only because I think he 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 respects Dan Marino enough. Obviously, being the goat in Miami, I think he's gonna go with a different number. And I don't know what 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 kind of numbers you see uh, Tua wearing. Well, initially, initially I was like, when when I. You know, when I thought about this and I, and I remembered, you know, obviously Dan Marino wore 13 and that would probably be off the table. I thought, well, what's close to 13? Well, what about three? And then I go, ah, Josh Rosen's wearing it. So I thought, okay, maybe three's off the table. You know, what else? You know, what else could he wear? I, I The number that stuck out to me was eight. And I don't know if anybody on your current roster wears eight, but, uh, you know, the, the comparable – that Tua had yeah. the entire draft process was Steve Young, and mm-hmm. that was his number. So for me, if I'm going to put you know my chips on the table, uh, I'm going to say probably number eight. That would be pretty cool. I mean, the comparisons when they were doing it of like Steve Young, I wow, I couldn't even believe it. Like just having a, a Miami quarterback being good as Steve Young, I mean, it's insane. Um, I really like what he wore on draft representing Miami and stuff inside of his jackets. I mean, he, he knew all along, which is very cool. Uh, you know, in the interviews, he, he really liked Miami being, you know, discreet about everything, you know, just making sure nothing goes out in the public and, and just the organization. And 
a little fun fact for you before we end this podcast. Can you guess? Okay, this is going to be a little bit hard because it's not in your sport. But can you guess the last number five? No, the fifth overall pick in any uh, South Florida sports that was picked. Um, I'm. It's between the. I'll give you a hint. It's between the Panthers and the Marlins and the Heat. Okay, the last fifth overall pick that was chosen uh, between those teams. I'm gonna say somebody from the Marlins. No, 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 no. I'll tell you, he is gonna be in the Hall of Fame soon. I'm. A, I guess I'm gonna have to go D Wade. Yeah, I was gonna say he does wear number three. <laughs> Yeah, the last fifth overall pick was Dwayne Wade. And obviously, we all know how Dwayne Wade ended up his career in Miami. So, um, a lot of good, you know, I've seen on Twitter, you know, he's already welcomed in uh, to, uh, to the city. So, you know, that's a little fun fact. So, hopefully, you know, you know, obviously, D. Wade is retiring now and he's the face of Miami for the moment. But, you know, you go from Dan Marino to Dwayne Wade and then, Barkov was the man for for a few seconds until Tua got drafted. So um, definitely Tua is going to be the next face of, of Miami sports. So it feels so weird. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's just like uh, can't wait for the season to get going. But um, I, I really enjoyed this episode on the podcast. I know we've, we've been talking a little bit more. Um, I'm going to try to bring out more content for you guys. And, um, please follow me on Instagram and Twitter um, on air with Dro. You know, follow me. I'm trying to be posting up a lot of more uh, photos and stories and, you know, more content for you guys. Um, as obviously, you know, we're still in quarantine with, you know, the coronavirus, but in, and obviously the sports, you know, not kicking off, but we're trying to give you more content as much as possible. But I think, uh, I think Miller and I did a good job on this episode. It's a lot of talk. Um, we just don't know too much about these players. You know, you know, we don't do too much homework on it, but I think as a personal opinion, you know, being as a Dolphins fan and Miller being mostly, you know, a football fan, I think, you know, for our grade, you know, I think it's really good that, you know, Miami Dolphins are heading in the right direction. And, uh, you know, that I want to thank you guys for sticking with us. Hopefully, you know, you stayed, you know, the full, uh, episode let let us know what you think let me know what you think if you have any questions for us uh let me know give me a comment on instagram twitter whatever it is let let us know uh what you think and um you know is obviously i I definitely want to hear more of the fan side and uh any content you guys want to know let me know um you know we're i'm i'm just doing this you know for fun and everything and and i really enjoy you know doing this and i'm hoping you guys are enjoying as well um it's it's just a it's just a good time to be a Miami Dolphin, um, as uh, they like to say, right? So, um, again, I want to thank you, Mark Miller, for for coming on. I know it takes a little bit of time uh, for you to get on, but I appreciate you uh, talking football with us tonight. Absolutely, absolutely, and and for all the viewers, you know, um, follow my boy, follow my boy Dro on Insta, Twitter. Um, you know, all forms of social media, whatever he's got out there, just show, continue to show your love and support. Um, I know I can speak on behalf of him. Um, he, he loves it. You know, he loves, um, just, you know, seeing the, the tremendous amount of support viewership, um, you know, comments, um, you know, he, he's, he's a man of, of, of the people of you guys, whatever content you guys want to want to hear about, he'll deliver it for you. Okay. Um, so just continue to, to show that love and support to my guy. 
And, um, you know, again, draft weekend is over. Dolphins, A+. plus. Um, I can't believe I'm going to say this. Fins up. Fins up. That's right. And, and uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get more sports content coming up, you know, in the, in the next couple of weeks or months, uh, and figure out what the coronavirus situation. But, again, I want to thank you guys for tuning in to this week's episode. As Miller said, 2020 NFL Draft is closed for the evening. And, again, thank you so much for your time. And 